Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam Shop, and today with me is the dynamic duel. I got Ben and Remy from Crack and Performance Gym out of Yorktown, Virginia. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing good, man. All right. Can't complain. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. How's the weather over there? It's actually been pretty cold this week. It's been very, very uh, chilly, very rainy, and I think it even it snowed a little bit uh, at one point. So uh, had a little bit of sleet. Uh, it'll probably be sixty degrees next week, being Virginia. So who knows? Hey, I'm I'm glad uh, South Carolina is not the only state. It's been like a roller coaster weather. It's been forty degrees, like it's forty nine degrees now. Next week's gonna be seventy. It's like, oh yeah. When does yeah. it get consistent? <laughs> Uh, well, cool guys. Uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your day to have a conversation and hop on the show and kind of share your perspective on things. So I'm going to open it up. Go ahead and kind of just give me a little background on both of you. Uh, you know, what you've done, your experiences, you know, uh, maybe some hobbies that led you into, you know, opening up this crack of performance. Let's, uh, let's start with Ben since he is the uh, oldest brother here. <laughs> I'm going to throw him under the bus for a second. Well, ah, oh, man, I thought it was being nice. Nah, that's all good. I, I'm uh, 33. I've gotten to that point where I have to think about how old I am. So, hey, I feel you on that one. I feel it. Yeah, I'll be 34 this year. But anyway, so uh, I am not originally from this area. We're in Yorktown, Newport News area. They call it 757. Uh, we both are originally from Stewart, Virginia, which is just a small southwestern town, uh, very rural everybody's thinks they come from the country and all that stuff. I mean, that's basically what we are. Uh, but anyway, so I moved to this area for a job. Uh, I work at the shipyard, the local shipyard, Newport new Shipbuilding, and I'm a welder there. So I moved here for that. And, um, I lived down here on my own for about a year or so. And then Remy ended up coming down here and that's kind of what I guess started leading us down this rabbit hole we're in right now but uh more or less uh, I moved down here for the job I've been at that job for it'll be six years in May um as far as hobbies and stuff before I moved I was pretty heavy into cars and stuff but I uh kind of had to put that on pause because I don't really have the means to do with it now and now we have this massive hobby I guess you could say that's the gym so uh but basically, uh, I go to work, I go to the gym, I, I work out myself. I mean, I'm not exactly a personal trainer by any means, but I do kind of live that lifestyle. Um, my wife actually started competing last year in figure. So I guess that kind of falls me into that hobby too. Just a little um, bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of work just being on the sides with somebody like that. But I, I like being kind of the guy that kind of sits to the side and help support and do everything I can to make sure somebody else can, you know, do what they want to do. Um, but I guess as far as like everything else, I mean, that's what's led us to this path of where we're on right now. Uh, and then once Remy moved down, I mean, I guess he can tell you a little bit more about his whole hobbies and kind of what <laughs> got him to this point. But anyway. Yeah. Well, so I guess I'll, I'll jump in here and I'll give you the, the rundown real quick basically so right right after high school i knew i wanted to be do some form of physical fitness some form of i bounced the idea of being a 
physical therapist, I bounced the idea of being, you know, going to school for, you know, anything athletic related, being an athletic trainer. But at the end of the day, I knew that um, I had fallen in love with working out and in the gym, in the weight room. Um, and I ended up, it was about a year after I graduated from high school, I ended up going to uh, a trade school in Orlando, Florida called the National Personal Training Institute. Think of it like a trade school for trainers that you go down, you go through uh, the program, and then at the end of it, you take your NASM, like you said yourself or whatever, that you have a NASM cert as well. So I took my NASM, I think that was back in 2014. I got my personal training certification. Um, I'm currently 28. And I've been doing personal training since I, I guess, since I was 19 now. And um, so started out um, doing personal training in the small hometown of Stewart, like Ben was saying earlier, at a small local gym, very, very, like, very, very small, kind of middle of nowhere, not, not really anything around. So uh, I did that part time. And I also worked for Rite Aid Corp. And uh, after that, um, eventually, I think it was four years later, that's when I ended up coming down to the 757 Newport News area. Um, ben was down here. As he said, he came down for a job. Basically, I used my brother here to get out of my small hometown, to say the least, because to be honest with you, if uh, everyone that I know either is still in the small hometown and or they left to go pursue some form of uh, career, some form of dream. And uh, mine started out, like I said, with the personal training route. Eventually, I came down here, uh, like I said, with Ben. I ended up uh, getting a job at a big corporate gym and uh, did personal training out of there for, I think it was just a little over a year. And um, we made some connections in the, uh, the gym uh, industry, to say the least, and some connections with some of my clients particularly. Um, as, I, as you're aware, like when the personal training field, uh, you can meet a lot of uh, good people who can support and help uh, make things a reality when it comes to uh, dreams and when it comes to like building something bigger. And uh, we wanted to eventually, uh, you know, open up something. And that's kind of where Crack and Performance Gym kind of came about. There's a lot more backstory and everything, but that's basically the rundown in a nutshell. I'm sure you'll, you can ask some more questions about the details and everything. Yeah, man. No, that's, um, that's awesome. You know, it's, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, kind of like, uh, almost for like, you know, not cliche, but like almost kind of like a dream come true in a way, you know, you've done all the work, you make connections and all of a sudden, you know, here's this thing right in front of you. So, um, kudos to that, you know, um, kind of, I, I guess more, more predominantly kind of like explain, you know, each of your roles and like, how, how do you, you know, play a, a big factor in, you know, the, the crack in performance. Okay. So we can go into like, a we could talk about this all day, but basically uh, the premise is, is Ben, I, I, my brother, Ben, uh, he is the whole reason the gym actually kind of was able to come into an existence to begin with. Um, for example, he was on third shift when uh, the, Jim uh, was kind of becoming a thing. I think it was in October of 2018, right? Uh, yeah, 2018 of October is when the actual LLC was formed. <laughs> but 
backstory real quick. Basically, Remy had a client that uh, he was getting tired of working at the corporate gym where he was personal training, you know, typical stuff like that. Nobody, oh, yeah. nobody tends to like the corporate, but they have to, they have to use them. They're there for a reason. But anyways, uh, so he got tired of that and just happened to mention it. And they said, oh, well, we have a, a space that you could use to train people out of. Well, we're like, okay. So we set up an appointment with the person to check out the space. We were thinking it was like a garage or something, you know, <laughs> show up to the address. And it's like a mini mall with, oh, with, uh, you know, units in it and everything. And, you know, well, the whole fake it till you make it, we act like we know exactly what we're talking about. When we're talking to this real estate guy, we look around the unit that they have. It's our, our gym is not a very large gym by any means, but, uh, I tell you what, when a when a space is completely empty, it looks a lot bigger than what it is. <laughs> then you start putting equipment in, and it fills up rather quick. But anyways, long story short, we got done with all that, and we just looked at each other and we're like, "What have we gotten ourselves into?" <laughs> so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right now. I remember the day that um, so I set it up with my client, um, name's Alex, just for an example. Um, well, I set up. You know, she's like, oh, I got this space. You know, you and uh, you and your brother should come check it out um, sometime. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, sure, let's let's set it up. Might as well. And I let I tell Ben this and he's like, what do you mean? Like a space to train? Like I was like, like, you know, like property or whatever. Like they own a, they own some they own some buildings and whatnot. And uh, well, we we come in and uh, they unlock the door. And we walk in and we're, um, we're looking at each other and I'm just kind of like and we're talking he's they're talking numbers and everything and like i am talking about stuff like price per square foot cam oh, and this stuff and i'm just like i have no idea what this dude is talking like he, he could have been speaking chinese like i didn't know what any of that stuff meant but we got done and more or less what kind of led us to the point we're at now is at the time we were like we had nothing to lose so it's like yeah. we basically said screw it and next thing you know we're signing a lease creating an llc and all this other crazy stuff that it's still hard to look back on and believe we did but yeah, <laughs> wow. yeah but so basically in a nutshell that's how like the gym kind of uh became a reality i will yeah. say that um i will mention this because it's a pretty big uh, component of the gym um when i uh was training out of the corporate gym Everyone knows or every trainer knows specifically that when you train out of a corporate gym, you're very, very limited to how what you can do with clients and uh, you kind of oh, yeah. follow the rules to say the least. And, um, it, you know, they, they want you to make sure you maintain certain numbers of clients. Um, a lot of the times it's like they want quantity over quality to this quality to say the least. So the very root of Kraken Performance Gym, it was kind of derived to be a space that was the complete opposite of a corporate environment. I wanted a, we wanted a space that you people could come, that they felt welcomed and they knew everyone. They could train how they want to train, when they want to train, not none of the corporate uh, issues that come come around like as i'm sure you uh understand what i'm coming from working for for orange theory and all like you were saying at some point so oh yeah um no yeah it's it, it does suck because you know like you you start thinking like all these ideas and like oh man like this is cool this is cool this is cool and it's like 
but then you can't because there's restrictions and it's like it limits you as what you have can do so but to to get back to your i think your original question was basically i am the face of the gym for the most part um then he is the reason why like like i said the gym was able to become into existence due to when he was working third shift and the gym was becoming a reality um, he was the one who was calling people, figuring out what needed to be done as far as with the lease, figuring out, you know, where to get the supplies from, where to get gym equipment from, where to get someone to help us actually build out the space. That was Ben, um, because I was still, I was just training down at, like I said, at the corporate gym and he was on third shift. So he would do it like he'd get off work and he'd work for a couple hours and then he'd crash and then he'd go back to work. It was like this cycle for like. How long oh, you think it was? Um, well, I mean, I was on third shift for probably like nine or 10 months. But if I was on third shift at when we started doing all this. So we started the LLC and uh, end of October because it was Halloween. I remember that. But I guess you want to go a couple weeks before I started actually figuring out what all we needed to do. You know, you don't know anything. Everybody's like, oh, I have an LLC. It's like, OK, well, how do you start it? Like. I don't know nothing. They don't tell you this stuff in school. Yeah, um, that's right. That the, Nothing like this is ever taught. But luckily, uh, through his clients and stuff, they were more than willing to help us and all that stuff. So we, I worked with them to set it all up. And I would so I would basically work uh, from 11 to 7 a.m., get off work. I'd still go to the gym and train. And then after that, I would do all the business stuff. Cause it was, it actually worked out pretty well on timing because it was during the day where everybody does all their business. And then I would crash for five hours and then go back to work. And it was a whole cycle thing. And we officially opened up the gym. Uh, I think our opening day was like February, February 9th, 2019. And it was, I took it as a sign because I think maybe within the next week or two, I actually got put back on first shift. So basically after we kind of got the ball rolling is when I got put back on first shift. So I guess that's when we started figuring out everything else after that. <laughs> but uh, it, it's definitely been a, uh, like just the initial startup. I mean, that's enough in itself. Like people, people, you know, ask, you know, how did you do it? How did you, the reality is, is you just figured it out as you went. And if basically, you know, none of that would have been possible without Ben. So I'm kind of like, I do more of the, like, kind of like you were talking, I do more of the sales, I do more of the personal training, I do more of actually trying to be the social butterfly, to say the least, because the reality is with a gym our size, there is a, uh, you have to give off a very, uh, you have to be very, very in front of people, to say the least. Like, it's, think of it like with your, with personal training on, on a uh, bigger scale because I do personal training, but personal training is its separate thing. And then you have running and operating the actual day-to-day things when it comes to the business. And then anything in the background, a lot of the times Ben does, you know, do stuff that's not in the background, of course, but uh, like with, he makes sure the bills are paid on time. He makes sure the money looks good. He makes sure that everything is flowing how it should. He lets me know if something is up, to where we need to do something to help uh, improve it. It's definitely been a uh, heck of a journey to say the least so far. And 
we definitely, you know, we're brothers. We definitely butt heads on things here and there. But uh, at the end of the day, um, they're they're really like we. I feel like we make a really good team because if it wasn't for me, we couldn't operate the gym. If it wasn't for him, the gym wouldn't continue to operate. And it's just it, it takes both of us to make things go around, to say the least. Yeah, I'm, and I did it on purpose. And the fact that I told Remy, I'm like, you're going to have to be the face of the gym. One, because I still work my regular job. I actually got off work an hour early so we could do this. But <laughs> so anyways, but I, I do that. And there is most people, but it still happens every once in a while. But there for probably the first couple of years, most people didn't even know I was his brother. Like, because I stay, I stay in the back. I'm like in the, the shadows. I pull the strings and stuff. I don't, I don't care about the spotlight or anything like that. Like, like I said, uh, I think I told you earlier, my, my wife uh, uh, started competing last year. I really don't have a desire to compete. Now I'll train, you know, and I'll cut down and all this stuff. I just, I don't know. Right now, spotlight's not very appealing to me. So I just stay in the back and pull the strings best I can. <laughs> just grind it away. <clears throat> Well, that's a really cool story, guys. You know, it's, it's like, when, you know, when one person doesn't want to do the other thing or can't do the other thing, the other one does. So it's kind of like you guys have a really good, like, niche between the two of you. So we try to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so cool. Well, let's kind of dive a little bit more into, you know, cracking performance. So kind of, you know, um, give me a quick rundown. And if you already said this, I apologize. But uh, what's like the square footage of the facility? And then, you know, how many members do you guys currently have? So it's technically like 2,800 square feet. So it's right under 3,000 square feet. Um, okay. It's two, it's basically two storefronts is what it is. It's 1,400 and 1,400. Got it. And uh, I think I, 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 I'm trying to remember that. I don't remember the exact number of members, but we're the ones that went through, I think it was in the right under the 200 range. So about 185, I would say somewhere around in there um, when I processed everything. Um, so sitting around right below 200 is a good way to put it. So. Yeah, that's not, that's not too bad, especially for the square footage. You know, you guys got a, a little room for growth and, uh, you know, the the model of your gym. So um, are you like open gym where people come go? Obviously, there's personal training. Do you guys do any like, you know, group training? Um, you know, it looks like here 24 hour access. So kind of kind of walk us through like basically everything you offer from you know, open gym concept, 24 hours, PT, group PT. Um, and then, you know, if somebody were to come into your facility, kind of how would you in a way nurture them to potentially sign up? Well, real quick, when you touched, you said the gym model, and I will say, Remy will definitely second this, that the gym model more or less we had in our mind when we first opened is not what we have right now <laughs> because it has had to change and adapt. And if you want to throw the whole COVID thing in there too, technically that's changed at some too. But yeah, when we first opened this, it was – centered more around the personal training side of things uh we were like going to have more or less like a try to have a big personal training studio where people could still train out of if they just wanted a membership well one really once COVID hit personal training took a massive hit because we were forced to close and it was just it was so hard people didn't have the expendable income and stuff like that mm -hmm. so it's almost like it shifted in the fact that we still have personal training, but now it's more of a membership-based type gym. But the 24-hour access came about because it just got to where two people, uh, and we can't afford to really hire somebody to pay them to be here all the time. It just made sense to have 24-hour access because you're going to save so much money. 
And it also, it helps spread out those people so you can have more members in a smaller space because they can come whenever they want to. So you can, rather than, you know, having a strict time frame to where you have to have these 200 members come in, then they can come in whenever they want to. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say with the, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask, I'll say about the 24 seven access. So um, we'll bounce back in time a little bit. And the first, I think it was the six, six to eight months uh, into the gym or whatever. We didn't, we weren't 24 seven access. We opened up at unlock the door 6am. And I think they closed, it closed at nine. It was Monday through Friday. And I think Saturday it was nine to five. And then Sunday was closed. And to be perfectly honest with you, like the 24 seven access um, has changed a whole lot, but most of all, it's what has given me uh, a life and not made me die to say the least. Um, yeah, 100%. But to put it bluntly, like I remember the first uh, six months in the gym and there wasn't a single piece of equipment I had not falling asleep on asleep on. <laughs> like, which is fun- as funny as that sounds. Like I remember uh, like, the first six months, I think this was towards the end when right before we got the 24 seven access system, I remember being up under the flat bench and falling asleep at about eight 30 in the night at night and waking up at like 1130 and being like, well, I guess I need to lock the door to the gym and leave uh, to be back up in here at six o'clock in the morning. Oh man. Uh, that, that was kind of the uh, like reality check for me that like something needed to change. And, um, once we implemented the 24-7 access, um, that's really once the gym started to grow a bit more. Because the uh, the gym originally, like he said, um, was uh, based around personal training. I did, a, I did a heck of a lot more personal training when we first opened up the gym um, than I currently do now. I still do plenty of personal training, but I don't even think I could physically do as much personal training as I... Uh, was doing then now because of everything else that goes into operating the gym with all of the members you have now. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely been a, uh, initially, an open, like I said, initially we were kind of going more towards that more of like a really nice space to have your personal training out of. Cause a lot of the clients that I had, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of the times when you train personal training, it's people who have a little bit more money and they're willing to invest a little bit more in you. And that's what the gym was running and operating on for the most part. I remember when we hit 50 members um, and I thought 50 members was like, you know, (laughs) yay. (laughs) I was like, just kind of laughed at it. Um, And it's definitely been a slow and steady growth to say the least. Um, Everyone wants to think that, you know, it's going to grow really, really quickly and all that. And, from our experience, it's more of a slow and steady growth approach is what is what works best. Um, so yeah, they, use the, uh, we're good. I was going to say if they come if if you're able to grow it extremely quick, they they leave really quick. That's what I was going to say. If you uh, if you try to rush things, either something's going to be missed, you're not going to be personable. It's like the, it's just going to be like, oh, I'm just I'm in here and I don't know what I'm doing. All right, I'm done. So um cool guys so let's kind of you know talk about some goals here you know with crack performance and your member base you know kind of like you know give the the small to big picture you know what what are you guys trying to focus on right now 
you know, are you trying to maximize the member base inside the studio? Are you guys wanting to expand? Do you want to open up a second location? Kind of walk us through, you know, like what are, what are the thoughts for, you know, the next, you know, say like one to three years? Second location, no, because I don't think either one of us could handle that right now. <laughs> uh, I'll go ahead and cut that right out. <laughs> uh, my goal right now, short-term goal, is to get through taxes because I absolutely hate this time of the year because <laughs> I'm the one that deals with all those numbers and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think everybody wants to expand, but uh, it once you start getting to the point we're at right now and then you talk, talk about expansion and stuff, that's when you really have to look at your numbers. And it doesn't really matter how bad you want it. If the numbers don't show what they need to show, you yeah. can't do it. Um, but, yeah, I would say we would want to expand as soon as we can. But also, I don't – when we – so when, when I said when we first started this, we were like, oh, we don't have nothing to lose. Well – it's kind of changed over the past four years. Uh, I'm married now. Uh, he's in a, a serious relationship. He's got a fiance and it's like, you have a little bit more on the line. Um, yeah. You have to be willing to take some risk. I feel like no matter when you're in business, um, but you also have to start weighing it a little bit more too, when there's more on the line. Uh, I mean, so yes, expand, possibly move. If it comes down to it, the area we're in right now is, we are in a retail space. So, I'm, you know, learning all this whole property stuff with commercial property is drastically different than someone going out and buying a house or, ha or just renting an apartment. It's, it's two different worlds. But the area we're in, there's not a whole lot of the warehousing type gym space that everybody wants um, because you get more square foot per uh, per dollar and everything. So that's one part we really struggle with is just finding an area. And then, so now we're in retail space. So our rent for our square space is a little higher, but we're also in a better location than say a warehouse in an industrial park. So you have to kind of play both sides of the fence, but in, in, a, in an ideal world, I'd say we'd probably be expanding um, how big of an expansion that really depends on the money aspect, because if we go much bigger than where we are now, we're going to have to figure out how to hire somebody because we're both physically not going to be able to, to keep up with it. Um, but we're kind of maxed out in our space right now as far as wanting to bring in, say, new pieces of equipment, this and that. I have yeah. a few crazy ideas, but I keep joking with people. We're getting to the point where we're going to have to start hanging stuff from the ceiling if we're uh, <laughs> if we keep putting more stuff in here, because the other thing is we opened it up and we put quality above a lot of stuff because while I don't mind training in say like one of these dungeon gyms and stuff like that, where, you know, it's hardcore this and that the typical members we have in our area, they're not going to want that. They want their AC, they want their heat, you know, and nice upholstery. But I also like stuff to be clean and especially when it's mine. So we own this and I want our stuff to be taken care of. Uh, my, I have several pet peeves and my pet peeves are if something's broke, I want to know about it so I can fix it. I don't care about pointing the finger. I just mm -hmm. want it fixed. So just keeping the quality high, which I mean, it brings in different clients. Like we don't have issues with members usually like having, you know, you see all these crazy videos with people, um, having these weird things happen in the gym or creepers in, in the gym, stuff like that. 
for the most part, our members, like we haven't had really any issues, like stuff like that, nothing serious or anything like that. But I believe it's because of the quality of people we bring in. Um, our area helps too. Um, but yeah, I'd say expand as soon as the money actually allows us. Um, but with that being said, I, <laughs> I told Remy, I was like, I'm definitely going to mention the fact that if you decide you want to open up a gym, you better not be doing it for the money because there ain't a whole lot in it. I'll tell you that right now, not just the gym itself. Um, you have to have other venues of making money and you have to realize that for the sooner you realize that the sooner you can set off and, you know, hopefully get the ball running. But for me personally, I feel like we need to expand as soon as possible, but we need to make maximize our space we're at right now, but also growing the brand. Branding is where you can really diversify everything. You can start getting into all sorts of stuff, everything from just stickers to apparel to, I mean, it's not, everybody knows big name brands. They may not know everything that that brand does, but that's where you can diversify and have multiple streams of income. And that's where you start actually getting ahead versus just having a gym that people come to. So. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people look at the brand crack and performance gym and uh when they see it they they think it might be like corporate to say the least because it's a very 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 clean very very crisp logo really good like design work and all that um and uh like they don't they and then they realize that it's not that it's you know a small locally owned business and uh there really is uh definitely some room for growth with the branding like ben said but as far as um like with apparel and all that, like he was talking, but I do feel like with uh, the way everything currently is, uh, the actual being able to grow the business uh, a lot better is what I'm primarily going to be focusing on is continuing to grow the personal training department. And when I say department, I'm not referring to me training as many clients as I can to bring in as much income as I can. That was when we were trying, that's basically what I was doing to try and like survive, keep the business, you know, surviving and just train as many people as you can to try and bring as much money as you can because you don't have the cash flow with members or anything. Now it's kind of shifted to where we have a little bit more cash flow coming in from members and we have uh, like three or four contractor trainers that train out of crack uh, and performance gym. So my personal goal for the business is to focus on growing the personal training department, growing the clients that they are um, training, growing, bringing in more people to actually allow them to do their personal training. Because the one downside I will say to like us versus a corporate gym, take like a, even a group training facility is that a lot of the times they are the one that are getting giving them the clients to say the least and a place like this if you can obtain enough clients you can make very very good money because we only take 20 percent of what they're paying and the trainer takes the 80 percent a lot of corporate gyms a lot of the times they they have set up if you're doing personal training they'll take anywhere between 50 to 60 percent and as you know too being like a trainer yourself uh yeah that that really that really that really messes you up, screws you over as far as making uh, enough income to even survive. Um, so I want to be able to grow the training department big enough to where we get more cash flow coming in, but you keep the trainers 
that are in the gym happy. You keep them happy because they're actually getting paid their worth. And there's something to be said about a trainer that is happy with the facility they do personal training at. Because I know from personal experience, that is almost impossible to come by. Personal training is the, I think it, it used to, from what I understand, it used to be one of the number one uh, turnover rate when it comes to careers. People come in, they do training for a year or two, and then they're in another career because they can't make enough money to sustain any type of uh, life, to say the least. And I would know from personal experience, it is very, very difficult to make a living doing personal training. So basically trying to uh, get crack and performance gym on the map more for the uh, personal training department is kind of the goal. And I feel like that with the square footage that we are, that's what we need. Um, also, uh, I do some online training as well, trying to get uh, the online training to the next level as well, um, creating a team to where we can do more of the online training as well. Yeah, no, those, those are some good goals. And, you know, especially in today's society with the, you know, prices increasing everywhere, it's, you know, it is, it is hard, you know, to be a PT. And, you know, if you're working for like, uh, you said corporate and they're like, well, we'll take 50, you get 50. It's like, all right, I'm worth more than 50%. So, you know, it's uh, one of those things. So, you know, you uh, with the 80-20 the split, you know, that's really good um, for the trainers. You know, um, I always like to ask this question, you know, you know, out of the three things, you know, obviously, you know, between getting more members, getting members to spend a little bit more and retaining members, you know, which, you know, what, what's the key to, to success for, you know, out of those three things, you know, is it you just need to get more members to expand faster or, you know, get them to, you know, maybe like you turn 10 of your current existing members into just PT clients or, you know, you do something where like you keep the members that are currently in there. I mean, I think that. That's a good question, but I really think that it's not necessarily like, you know, more of this, more of that. It's the combination of building um, a community gym that more members are going to naturally come in and you're going to naturally occur more PT and you're going to naturally occur more of everything. It's kind of like, unfortunately, like people think, oh, I need more memberships to grow my gym. Yeah, it definitely helps. But at the end of the day, um, like Ben was saying, you know, let's say you take, we're, you know, close, we're 2,800 square feet. We could have 500 members, but the reality is, is that if you're actually trying to grow the brand, grow the gym by itself, like eventually those 500 members are going to stop coming to the gym because people come and go. That's just the nature of gym memberships. So you need to have, you know, you need to have more members. You need to have more personal training. You need to have more branding, more apparel sales, more drink sales, more, everything that you can so you need your you need your hand and all the cookie jars to say the least to really do well it's not about having just all of them in one and just focusing on just memberships yeah i, I i'm i guess out of those three i, I would say i prefer the retention aspect of it because i feel like the retention is going to show quality because typically someone is not going to stay going or pay extra or this and that if it's junk so, you know, if, if it, the quality is there, they still like what they like, you know, they're, they're going to stay. So you, you retain your memberships and then you retain your personal training clients too. That's a pretty big factor too, because the personal trainers that we do have, they may not have a ton of clients, but they still have the same clients that they've had for a long time. Well, Remy still has clients that he's been training since he moved to this area almost five years ago, I think. Yeah. 
So it's, I feel like the retention part is a pretty key factor because you treat your members more than just a number. They're, they're people that you develop the relationships with them because without them, you don't have your business. Um, but if you're, I mean, let's take the, 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 the big purple corporate gym, you know, that everybody knows. I feel like they view it more as just a number thing, kind of like we're you're talking about, because they just care about getting your membership every month. And whether you show up or not, they don't really care. I mean, from a business standpoint, I do. I, sure, I, I don't really care if as long as the bills are paid and the money comes through, that's what I want. But I also want you to like the place, you know, like I, I do want our members to actually use the facility, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to cut you off right there. And you talked about like, uh, so let's talk sales for a second. Um, I've used this line multiple times to, to just close, uh, to close a deal to say, at least when it comes to a membership and it always, uh, it always cracks me up because they'll come in and they'll say, um, uh, like they'll, they'll look around, I'll show them around the gym and all that. And, They'll ask the rates and, you know, I'll give them the rundown. I'm pretty, I'm a straight shooter. I'll be like, oh, you know, a regular, a monthly membership's $40, first responder military, $30, and a family add-on $20. And they're like, well, why, I can go to Planet Fitness for, or this gym for $10 or $20. You know, why can't, why can't you sell me a membership for that? And I, I, I respond with this simple line. I would love I said, I would love to sell you a membership for 10 to $20 a month that you will never use. <laughs> and if that is what you want, we definitely can do that for you. And <laughs> it's like, and I'm telling you, like it's worked countless times. They're joining up for the rate that is higher because they're like, oh, well, he's got a point because how many people have a 10 to $20 a month membership that they never use? So like how Ben was talking quality it's quality over quantity at the end of the day. I was so. going to say that I, I'm, I'm technically, I don't do any of the personal training or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a welder. That's what I do for yeah. my living. That's yeah. what, yeah, well, that's what pays my bills is, is my job being a welder. And I have a sticker on my hard hat that says quality over quantity, because I would rather give you something great that you don't have to turn back or anything. than give you two, three, piles of just so so that's kind of gets by or whatever no i want i want to be known for the quality the quantity will come like it will come it just may take a little bit longer so. yeah absolutely um no great uh you know great analogy with that one because you know a lot of times people do just pay and they don't come so what's the point um <clears throat> but so real quick a uh, couple of uh you know business side any questions here before as we get close to time you know, kind of just quickly walk, walk me through, you know, what, what are the biggest things that are driving lead generation into your facility? And are you doing any type of like paid marketing or like ads or posts on Facebook, things like that? We have done some ads on uh, Instagram. I've done some on Facebook as well, but the, uh, with a business like ours, as far as like being a small business, being the size that we are, I truly believe that uh, most of your benefits, the amount of money you're having to invest in a lot of the marketing now, specifically uh, like social media marketing and all this, like it's, it's very, very high for the actual return. Um, so one thing is, is that 
the best uh, the best thing to invest in as far as marketing is the old school you you know you you word of mouth I mean like like Ben just said word of mouth when it comes to your members if you get enough people in the gym that love the gym it naturally spreads organically and organic outreach is something that is been around forever and people overlook it so much now that being said once you reach the point where you are able to you know afford a little bit more marketing as far as pushing out like ads and whatnot it can help bring in revenue um i've gotten plenty of hits with personal training on specifically like instagram and specifically like i've had at facebook as well but when it comes to honestly the majority of the marketing we do is word of mouth uh yeah so coming from like the numbers aspect uh and not knowing anything about business before we got into business uh i will say that if you do not know pay doing paid marketing like paying somebody else more or less to market your stuff is extremely expensive for a small business that does not realize that like we're talking you could have thousands of dollars a month just in marketing so my advice and like unless if you can afford it by all means do all the social media stuff you know just just flood it but you know not everybody has that kind of expendable income because it is literally almost like sometimes if it doesn't work i mean it's almost just like lighting your money on fire but uh if you have the expendable income and you can afford it then yeah sure do all that stuff but uh, social media is the way of everything right now you just got to stay current with it like it used to be facebook well facebook yeah some people still use it now it's more instagram and was it tiktok and I'm starting to show my age because I can't keep track of all this stuff. But Instagram has actually held on very, very strong, I feel like. Um, So that's always a solid one, but it's also been around a long time, which drives the prices up. And then more and more people get on it. So you just don't have as big of an influx. The more money you have, the and more money you can dump in a specific platform, the more you can be known. But it takes a lot of money. So my advice is do anything and everything you can do that is basically next to no cost word of mouth i mean heck if you want to go old old school just create a bunch of flyers and start handing them out we did that before when we first started the the cost of getting that done versus you know instagram at least then you have that if you can hand them out in person to where you're actually handing it to a person you at least have human to human contact so at least you know you are actually reaching somebody versus some algorithm hopefully reaching the right people but try to get the best bang for your buck unless you have lots of bucks to spend. So, um, but yeah, I would say word of mouth is by far the king of all anything, because once that starts, you know, it's can spread like wildfire. But uh, yeah, I was very shocked to find out in my first year or so how expensive marketing is like, there's a reason that you have marketing teams, marketing firms and all that stuff. Cause there is a ton of money in it. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can afford it. <laughs> no, I, I find that like, that's why I felt like brick and mortar business in general or whatever has been really, really tough. Uh, specifically I'd say within the last, like, like if you have a physical location when it comes to the actual marketing aspect, um, just due to there is a whole, like, you know, small businesses make up the majority of businesses 
uh, in the United States. And the reality is, is that with small business, like he said, the actually being able to afford the marketing definitely is very, very difficult. But I feel like most marketing that uh, people purchase a lot of marketing with is more of your medium-sized businesses to your larger businesses. When you reach that point where like for us, let's say we were to expand, let's say we get 500 members, that's when you're going to be able to have that that have that profit enough to where you're going to be able to take 10% of your money, cycle it back in and constantly market, constantly market. And right now it's kind of like spot marketing. If you uh, like, let's say uh, like we've done some uh, video promos, for example, might like January is rolling around. You might run, we might run ads for the first two weeks or something um, to try and pull in some people because you know, people are going to be scrolling on Instagram and whatnot and uh so you might pull in some people that way but very very minimal like i said um but i've noticed that the more members we get the easier the marketing is to reach people because more people know your name i mean yeah so yeah and like think outside the box like i'm all for trying to get the best bang for your buck so like you know another way of like doing marketing and you may not think of it as marketing is like you don't have to go full blown apparel. You don't have to be selling like everything, but even if you just take pre-orders, it takes a lot more effort to do a pre-order shirt if you have, but at least you're not going to lose money. You may not make money because you're literally just ordering the right amount, but it's a walking billboard. So put something on it. It Don't try and be like, you're going to be like, oh yeah, have the nice little logo in the corner because it's going to be fashionable and all that. No, put the giant logo on the front, giant logo on the back. Get people to wear that crap because you they are literally a walking billboard and you don't have to pay them. They're paying you to buy the shirt. So, and that's basically a form of market. No, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's almost aside from a little cost to, to do it, it's almost like free advertising because people are going to walk around and wear that and they're going to be like, oh, what's that? And they like the logo, they like the lettering, then, you know, they're going to go look it up and do their own research. Oh, yeah, definitely. Cool, guys. Um, well, for sake of time, I got two last things here for you. All right. First one is, you know, for anybody out there that's looking to start a business, you know, maybe it's exactly like your situation. You know, didn't really know what was going on, just kind of dabbled along. And here we are, you know, years later. Um, what words of advice would you give somebody that's looking to start up uh, in the fitness industry? <laughs> You first. Uh, well, I mean, I deal with the numbers a lot. So I would say if you're specifically trying to start up a gym, your due diligence and do the, the, the biggest overhead cost is rent. So if you want to have an actual gym where you're having a brick and mortar place, you know, just look at all the rent, you know, do your due diligence because it is so expensive and it, the leases don't work like your apartment lease. It's, it's completely different. You got triple net and everything out there. There's so much you can dive into. Um, but my biggest advice is to make sure that you find the right space if you're willing to sink that amount of money into it. Because it looking at it now, it would have been nice if we could have like had just a bigger space to begin with to grow into. But now you're talking about if you can actually afford it but maybe you can find a place that's a little bit cheaper. So as far as opening up a, a gym specifically, the biggest thing you need to focus on is to look not necessarily the location yet. Yeah, it has to be in an area where people feel safe, but you know, is the actual 
rent, the cost. That is what is going to make you or break you in owning a gym. I will tell you that right now because there's, you know, power and all that stuff. Yeah, you got that. But the rent is probably, I would say, 75% of our overhead cost. And if we didn't have rent, if we owned our building, because if you can own yeah. your building, start it out in your garage. I mean, if you can do that, I mean, that's great. But if you, if you owned your building, it's a completely different story. But if we didn't have rent, oh man, we'd already been, we've done expanded probably three times by now. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, that rent is, that's a killer. Um, but yeah, that's my biggest advice as far as like the gym aspect. But as far as opening up a business, uh, it really depends on the business, but like on the fitness side, if you want to just open up a business, do online personal training, there's very little overhead, like hardly any overhead. You can make a lot of money at it too. Just go for quality. Like we've talked before. Um, and just do your due diligence. I mean, it's not hard to start up a business. You just got to do it. Don't talk about it. Just do it. I mean, you hear that all the time. It sounds cliche, but literally you have to do it. Like I, I work with a couple people who some have businesses and some are talking about starting businesses. It's like, just do it. Like sometimes you have to shove yourself off the ledge. So start the LLC. Like you, you have to take that step because you technically, sometimes you can kind of be a, a dick about it. You can be like, you don't have a business because you don't have an LLC. You don't have a, you don't have a business, but some people will talk about it. Like, you know, oh, I have a business, but like, just do it. Like, you got to take that step. Yeah. And um, the, I guess, honestly, in my opinion, what the most important thing when it comes to business, uh, specifically when you're starting something up that is, let's say it's your first business or you're trying to get into business because you want to do something, whether you have a passion for something or you really enjoy doing something. I would say to anyone specifically in the fitness industry is that if you do not truly love what you're doing, if you are not passionate about what you are doing, then do not open up the business of what you're trying to do in. Because unfortunately, like I've, um, it has been a roller coaster of emotions when it comes to crack and performance gym, when it comes to personal training. Um, it has been the toughest thing that I have ever done, um, us opening up the gym and it has continued to be the toughest thing that I have ever done because strictly I love what I am doing and I love what we are doing. But if you do not absolutely have a passion for it or whatever, in my opinion, I truly believe you will fail because there's no way you would be sick and twisted enough to do what you're neat, what needs to be done without having that passion for it. Because I'll tell you what, if I didn't love what I was doing, we wouldn't have made it past the first six months. Um, if like, you're not willing, like for me, if you're not willing to put some of your own money into it, then it's not, you're not going to, you don't need to do it. You don't, you're not putting your own skin in the game. But a side note, another piece of advice is get a good tax person. Just a good tax person. Like you don't, I do the tax. I tell people I do the tax stuff, but I do more of the accounting. And then I give all the numbers to an actual tax place. And they make sure all the right forms and all get get plugged in and everything. But we that's a little side note thing. Make sure you have a good tax person from the beginning and ask questions because so, there's so many like deductions and all this stuff. 
this that's the boring side that nobody wants to talk about but it is a major part of a business like you have to know the numbers the numbers is what drives everything don't just go out and take some giant business loan because they say it's a business loan no you need to treat that loan like it's your loan because a lot of times you're personally liable for it people need to realize that so yeah. Loan, I don't view loans as a bad thing because it's what helps a lot of people get the ball rolling. But if you can't avoid it, it's always better. So, <laughs> Awesome, guys. Good, good advice. I, uh, I like, I concur with the just do it, you know, have a peace of mind in mind, but you're, you're not going to get anywhere. And let's just try. So um, it's always easier to, to just do it early on versus, like I said, right now we have, we both have a little bit more on the line. We didn't have a whole lot on the line. We were young, four or five years younger, didn't have much. Just jump, just do it. What's the worst? You're going to be right back where you started and didn't have a business? Big whoop. <laughs> hey, there you go, man. Um, last piece here. For anybody out there that wants to look into Cracker Performance, how can they reach you? Social media, Facebook, Instagram, website. Go ahead and give shout outs for all the ways they can reach out to you. All right. Well, you can reach us at uh, www.crackinperformancegym.com. And then also you can reach, uh, we have Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is at Kraken underspace performance gym. And you just type it in, you'll find us there. You can send us a message. And also you can find me personally, anyone interested in training or anything. It's uh, remington.fit with two T's. Uh, and that's Instagram as well. Yeah, I would say email, Instagram, those, those are kind of our biggest things. Uh, if you go to the website, it's got a little story on, we didn't really get into it, but like how the actual name Crack and Performance Gym came about. So oh, yeah. give, give it a little good read. It's, it's kind of a neat story. Yeah. So. Awesome, guys. Well, I gave you a follow because uh, I, I personally like the name and I, uh, you know, enjoy the story. So, you know, um, thanks for sharing that. Um, for everybody out there listening, you know, if you guys – you know, are in the, the area of Norfolk and want to check out a sweet gym who's going to be clean and, you know, they're, they're passionate behind what they're doing and they're not just going to blow smoke up your uh, tail, then go check them out. Um, for anybody else out there listening, if you want to be on the show, if this story inspired you and, you know, you want to share your passion and your perspective on the fitness injury, feel free to click on the link below, type in your info, and we'll be in touch. But until then, y'all, that's another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. Gym Lords, out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily, and joining us on the show is Carlos from Plyofoot, Plyo, Fit, not Plyofoot, Plyofit out of San Antonio, Texas. What's going on, Carlos? Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing good, Emily. Thank you for having me. Very grateful. Absolutely, man. We're really excited to have you on. But before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you guys have going on at PlyoFit, tell us a little bit about how you describe your business to people and what made you want to start your gym in the first place? 
Um, PlowFit is individualized training in a group setting. So um, uh, it, it's meant for everybody. I mean, from anybody that wants to change their lifestyle to athletic enhancement, any kind of health and promotion, um, and really uh, establishing uh, habits and rituals and, and guidance and getting people where they desire to be and when they deserve to be. Yeah. Um, so that's the best way for me to describe it. It's one-on-one training in a group setting. And um, why did I start it? Uh, you know, I went through a lot in college when I was at Texas, um, graduating 2010. Um, during my time there, I went through a period where it's like, I didn't want to, when I came back home it, I, I to San Antonio, I, I didn't want to waste time not 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 chasing down what I want to do. I, I think it in, in the unfortunate circumstances when I was the position I was in, um, it just gave me the green light to, I, I just gave myself permission. And I wanted to do it my way and want to create something that, that I envisioned in my, in my heart and my soul and my mind. And I've, I've been at it ever since. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I just, that's the best way for me to put it. I just, I just didn't want to waste time yeah. not, uh, not doing it. And yeah, it's been, it's been a, a chaotic, uh, amazing 12 years and I wouldn't replace it for anything. Yeah. So quite a long time in the fitness industry as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So prior to that, did you have any experience with business or entrepreneurship? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. I saw, I, I, I interned at a couple places in Austin. Um, and one of them was a small, small fitness gym um, off on six in Congress uh, called Different Performance. It was one of the ones. And uh, I, he was a one man show at the time. And yeah, no, that's, that's probably the only time I've seen something up close as mm -hmm. far as entrepreneurship but nothing prior to that, prior to school, prior to anything on yeah. starting up a startup or, or a small business. So what would you say is, was the, well, let me backtrack. Did you start with zero clients? Because I, I initially, like you started, you were training outside, right? Yes. The first. Yeah. So were you able to take a little bit of your clients over there or did you pretty much start from like ground zero? I started from ground zero. My, my twin sister would pick me up from my grandma's house and uh, she, I would go train her at her apartment. Mm -hmm. And then I would walk over to the Foyle Middle School, um, which is where I went to middle school. Um, one of my coaches um, had a son, and he was a sixth grader at the time. I would walk over to the Foyle Middle School from my grandma's house, and I would train him there. And that's kind of how it started. Yeah. That's how it started, yeah. So what was the biggest learning curve for you when you first entered into business ownership? You know, I uh, when I got the car going, I was going to people's houses, and, and I um, – you know, it was, a, it was a broken down car, stuffing cloud boxes in there, pieces of equipment, <laughs> zero on gas. It would overheat because it wasn't a good car. It was just going through, it was, it was not meant to get on the highway. I would, t I asked myself the question all the time, like, what am I doing? Like, what is, what, what are you doing? And, um, I really, at that point, I would have arguments going back and forth and doubt and fear. And, um, went through that train for a little bit until one time I was driving. I was like, you need to stop this. If you're in, you're in. If you're out, you're out. You don't have no time to be wasting deciding. So everything that you're about to embark on this goal. And I think that was that was it. I had to get in the mess first. I had to fill it for, for the struggles it was, which wasn't making a lot of money. Had student debt coming up. <laughs> didn't didn't have a place to like I was at my grandma's. So I was like, what was this? How's this actually gonna look in the future? And I had to really just take a step back and be like, you're going. This is what you want to do, go. And you know why you're going, because it brings you joy. How are you going to get there? You have no idea. But I mean, I believe anybody right now but yourself. So like, I mean, let, this is, let's go. And that, that's, that's what happened. 
me and my wife in the process. She was with me the whole way. It, it, it's been a, it's been a ride, but just giving myself permission, I think is the answer to your question. Just get out of my own way. Yeah, this- absolutely, man. Get out of your own way. So over the past 10 years, what would you say is when it comes to growing a gym and getting clients in, like, what are the two most important skills that an entrepreneur would need to develop? Because it's great when you have a facility, but if you don't know how to, to get people in the gym and keep them, which we talked about your client retention earlier, keep them long-term, you're not going to be making any money. Not going to make any money. And, you know, Plowfield looks totally different from when it did back in, um, 10 years ago, come, come March, when I first got in there, I didn't have nearly the equipment I did back then. Um, you know, it, a lot of it's to, to your first question is just caring. You got to care and, and you got to do the most of what you have. You can't complain. There's no room for complaining. There's no room for the, what ifs, what, what if I had this, I wish I had this, I wish I had this access. I just wish I had more time, more money, all that jazz, right? Person's giving you the opportunity to work with them. You can do everything you can with the power you got and the resources you got to give them a point A to point B. And you're gonna show that every single time. And um, I think that's why I've been able to maintain an old school based clientele um, that's gotten me through all these years. And I'm, I'm very grateful for every single one of them. I, I, I'm be naive to say like, oh, like all of them stay, stay with me. I mean, I know my gym is not meant for everybody in this prior moment. My ambition and my, my drive tells me like it is meant for everybody. But in this very moment, it may not be for some people. And, I, and I, I need to acknowledge that and just keep working one foot in front of the other. I'm building it to how I envision it. And uh, sometimes I could get away with that when it comes to sales, right? When it comes to money is, man, maybe I should shift this type of my vision to get X amount, to be very result driven, to, you know, get people through the door. And I had to talk myself out of that. And I'm glad I have. Um, and early on, to maintain the brand of, of the Plow Fan brand and the Plow Fit brand that I want to create, and um, and it, and it really taps into so much more um, than just uh, getting people results. Right, right. Okay, good. Very well said. So, what has been working for you to get people in the door? In terms everybody of everybody becomes a billboard. You know, everybody becomes a billboard. Uh, I my from athletes to. Uh, my elder clientele um, to people that, that want to change their lifestyles when it comes to uh, just feeling healthy. I mean, I know that every single one, a person, whether or how they're new or whether they've been with me for years, are a billboard. And how PlowFit comes up when fitness comes up in conversations outside of the door, that's very powerful. And, and I would say to the extreme of having a solid base, even more so than anything I could put on social media right now. The biggest thing for me in here in the future is I need to expose it more because I know I don't. I, I don't make the time yet to expose it like I should. And yeah. uh, you're starting to see it on um, on Google reviews. You're starting to see it on other aspects that are getting me new clientele. And um, I just think I just need to stay on that train until it's ready to like put it in a fit gear and want, yeah. want, want to get people through that door. Yeah. So the longest person that um, I think you said has been with you for five years? Oh man, it's been longer. So some of them been for like eight years. I mean, my my uh, man, my, one of my boxers, Mario Barrios, is, is he's uh he splits the camps now between uh San Antonio and Vegas, and he was in the Bay Area for a while. Um, he's an ex world champ. He's fighting here at the Dome on on Showtime on February 11th. Like I've had him since he was like 18. Um, so like that exposure, you know, having Plowfit on the shorts and why why he's fighting, he uh. 
I mean, he's been on some big cards already with with, with Tank Davis and um and um Keith Thurman and uh, other fighters and, and you know from and then my my local more of my local guys my MMA guy and you know with my uh 70 70 year old uh client that's um was battling diabetes and got off insulin she's at the school you know when she's subbing I mean it just naturally flares out like that you know they just they go ahead and uh, they talk about plow fit I mean when I'm not around and yeah I just I, I think that's always to be no matter how big plow fit gets and, and it's going to get um that that's something that doesn't need to be lost in, in the mix it needs to feel feel like that all the time and whether it's me at the helm or somebody in another gym doing it and replicating that yeah so outside of because you're you're still doing a lot of training um outside of like you training your clients what is your day-to-day look like in terms of handling things that need to get done for your business so a lot of it's midday and a lot of it's like today like friday um so i'm at the gym crazy amount of hours i mean i'm there monday through thursday from 5 a.m to 11 a.m and then i come back from 3 p.m to 8 p.m and a midday i get my workout i i come home i get some stuff done i do some errands if i need to and that's really what i try to get in get involved into the, the mix of the entrepreneurship world or things i need to get done on a personal level we either here at home or that the gym needs to get done and um and also to make trying to make time for myself you know i got to make time for myself in that process and then on fridays i'm just there in the morning 5 a.m to 11 a.m and then the rest of the day i have off and then tomorrow i go there at 9 a.m to noon and then on sundays i'm off so yeah. between the time i'm off I'm, I'm literally just uh trying to get into the mix of developing more access of building the plow fan brand and a lot of that is staying connected with the clientele on things we can't talk about when we're at the gym because we're too busy working out, too busy training them. So to talk about mental health, to talk about food, the food thing, to talk about self-awareness, to talk about giving them different tools where they could embed and give them permission to do. And, um, you know, cause that's where it's at. You want permanent results. You got to go through the mess. You got to go through the failure to doubt. And you gotta, you gotta be willing to go to that valley of disappointment. And, and then, continue and, and just know that one step in front of the other and by the time you know it you got all these tools and habits to really change your life and that's where permanent stuff's at i'm not one of those guys that's very like all right let's drop you 30 pounds in like three months and then they, they don't they didn't take anything with them to to keep it off two years from now and yeah. uh, i kind of want to kind of want to demolish all of that in the fitness world yeah uh, uh the there needs to be more authentic communication and rhetoric behind the, the humility behind developing things, whether it be a small business or changing your life through health. Yeah. So you've been in the game for 11, 12 years. What have you done so that to not get burnt out, like in terms of taking care of yourself? Is there something you do on a daily basis, weekly, monthly? Like, what does that look like? Because I'm the sure. average... Man, I, I'm honestly, it, it's it's... I don't believe in, well, it's hard for me to say, like, do I feel tired a lot? Absolutely. I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't, right? Um, going through the ruts and certain things. I know I got to take care of myself in that process. Obviously, um, executing on what I preach on, right? I got mm-hmm. to be at the helm with it. I got to be, I got to kill the stress through exercise. And I got to work on nutritional habits and fight for that on a daily basis. Um, outside of that, you know, really try to um, separate when I'm not there. Um try to understand what the set between drawing the line between what it's going to take and what I need to sacrifice to get what I desire. Cause it's going to ask something of me every step of the way. 
versus like you need to give yourself some grace and you need to separate. So I think I'm getting better with that because at first I was just like full helm, like fifth gear go. And knowing that it wasn't watering other things that were important to me around me. And um, learning to find balance with that. Um, with even now, my, I've, been, I've been married to my wife. It's going to be eight years in August. And, um, you know, being the best husband I could possibly be when I'm not, not at work and, and being here with her. And, um, you know, just going, going, learning how to be better every single day. And I think that the thing is, it's hard to turn off. I mean, I, I, I've been really talking about, like, learning how to relax. And when I do have that, that time. And <clears throat> constant evolving. I always trying to get better at it. But I, I think that's the biggest thing, right? To embed self-awareness. I don't get burned out because if I, as long as I, I create self-awareness, I communicate to my significant other and I try to, you know, just be real and how I'm feeling in the moment, going through seasons and getting getting lost in my patience and perseverance and where I desire to be, I, I just can't go wrong with that. So you just one spoon in front of the other. But obviously, every single level I go up, it's going to require something different of me. And no one yeah. has got to keep rising up to it. Yeah. So biggest three things I heard from what you said are just setting and honoring professional and personal boundaries. Communication with your support system, with your team. And the last one, I had it in my head. I don't, what was the last one? Um, I don't know if it was patience and perseverance or, or give myself grace for relaxing, um, self-awareness. Oh, yeah. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. That's the one. Okay. Good stuff, man. So it's almost time for us to wrap up, but I do have a few more questions for you before yeah. we go. If you could look back. Well, no. So talk to us about and what you touched on a little bit already, but where do you want the gym to be December 2023? Like right at the end of the year, like what would make you ecstatic? Right at the end of the year? Yeah. Um, I, I, I would be ecstatic to have, uh, to have all my focus finally on the money going to go and getting help and get it back to where it was pre COVID. Right. Um, mm -hmm. it, and it's not like I can't do it now. I know I could, I could go do that now, but I know that'll be the time where other things settled up. Um, I'm locked into this gym for, for another contract year, uh, a couple of years, hopefully once I get settled come March. And then I have like, all right now I have this next five years, three, five years. Like I know where I'm going. And then all that focus goes into going finding somebody, you know, that wants to be part of this, that wants to learn. And then that I want to do everything in my power as, as a leader to not only take care of them financially, but, but to help them get where they desire to be, whether it be something they want to do down the road here or whether they want to go do something else and um, get back in that mix of getting, getting what I, I have built with the clientele building it with employees and um get that rolling again put my focus there yeah yeah okay so last and final question for you is knowing what you know now over the past 10 to 12 years what's something if you could go back and like whisper something in your ear that you needed to hear right before you got started what would that be you got it don't stop simple, simple. That's it. you got it don't stop Alrighty, man. Well, this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Um, I'm on Instagram at plowfit underscore SA. That's the same as Twitter. On Facebook, I'm at pl at plowfit. And um, yeah, I think those are the those are the things right there. I think it's a plowfit underscore SA too 
for, for Snapchat. Uh, most of the stuff I do is on Instagram. Okay. All righty, Carlos. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast. And of course, looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to accomplish down the road. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for you and the Jim Lords podcast. Thank no you. Problem. No problem. So to everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, our guest is Ian Humphreys of Oxygen Strength and Fitness coming to us from southeastern England. Ian, what's going on, sir? How are we today? I'm very good, thanks, Joe. And thanks for the invite um, onto your show. I'm interested in sharing my experiences with your, with your listeners. I am, I am interested as well. I always enjoy the compare and contrast nature of speaking to a gym owner from a different country than the U.S. I think there's a lot to be learned from how you guys do things and how we do things and, and picking out lessons and wisdom along the way. For context and, and background, before we get into that conversation, Ian, give our listeners a, a little bit of an idea of what oxygen is. When you describe this gym to people, what do you tell them? Very simply, you know, our, our, our mission is to try and make people strong for life. Um, so everybody has a different background. Everybody has a, a different desire um, to move forward. But we know that having a strong body is very good for health and well-being. Um, so we we cater for a range of people from all walks of life. From you know, uh, I've got athletes, powerlifters like myself, through to people in their seventies and eighties that just want to get strong enough to be able to do their daily daily chores. Yeah, and so a little something for everyone pursuing their health and fitness take us back I, I love the the origin stories on businesses like this and so when the idea was swimming around in your head I'm thinking I'm going to open up a gym what was going on for you and, and what inspired all of this um yeah very very simply me and my wife were living in in central London in London itself my wife was working as a legal secretary um I had mm -hmm. Uh, nearly 20 years experience within the fitness industry 
like run leisure centers for um, a London council, which is a big, big, big establishment. Um, but I wanted, and we both wanted to try and succeed on our own um, and basically be our own bosses. So the opportunity presented itself to actually purchase this business mm -hmm. um, that we now own. So we, we took the opportunity. Um, in March, it'll be 13 years. I was just back checking the dates. Yeah, in yeah. March, it'll be 13 years that we've actually owned owned oxygen itself. Okay, so it existed prior to your ownership. We had taken over an existing business. Talk to us about that. What was what was your experience with coming into an already established business and putting your stamp on it? Yeah, I mean, financially, it was the, it, it was a sound business to buy, um, and the previous owner had different fitness concepts um, to what we had. Um, very very good loyal customer base that we took over, but slowly with um, time we've managed to be able to put across more of what we believe uh, or how we want things to be done um, yeah. and thankfully people have been very receptive to that. I, I was going to say I would wonder if the that membership base wouldn't have been so loyal if you made all of these changes right away you know you said we did it slowly and, and over absolutely, time. Ab absolutely yeah. I mean the first the first sort of two years was all about observing understanding um, getting to know um, before we actually made those changes because the last thing anybody needs in that situation is a mass exodus. No, <laughs> we just spent a lot of money to buy a business. We don't need to also cut our income. Absolutely. Understood. Okay, so 13 years of, of doing this, Ian. Reminisce on that time for a minute. What's been <laughs> your favorite part of being a business owner? What's been the toughest part of being a business owner? Uh, the, the favorite part is being able to call my own shots, you know, to be able to put in as much or as little effort as I actually want to the business, but understand that that's, that's got, the, got the, its rewards and it's got its downsides if I'm not prepared to, to, to put that effort in. Um, and it's given me that self-realization that it's going to take a very special job career to make me want to move away from this and to do something else. Yeah. Um, as as my friend kind of describes, you know, he, he said to me, "You're a bit of a lifer. You want, I, I couldn't see you doing anything else." Yep. Um, so yeah, yeah, you know, that's that. This that's is where that. we were meant to be. Okay. Yeah. yeah so flip yeah. that over for us. What's been? It's not all sunshine and rainbows all the time. No. Believe me, it's not. What's no. What's been the biggest challenge or the the toughest part of being a business owner? The, the, I mean, the biggest challenge is is been post COVID without without a shadow of a doubt is you know the British government were absolutely fantastic very supportive of, of businesses grants and other funds um, but it's we're still literally this month January I've probably just hit the well I know I've just hit the income that I was doing po uh, pre-COVID oh, so three three years later right absolutely so yeah. it's, um, and there was three separate lockdowns in in England correct Completely, yeah. It was it was a bit of a nightmare. Um, so yeah, oh that's that's yeah. that's really been my biggest thing is being patient enough to hang on in there to wait for things to change. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thought experiment because obviously a pandemic is out of our control. You don't get to decide when you are able to operate. I don't get to decide, but 
clearly there are still people interested and willing, even if there are societal hesitations to come back to a business like this, there's still a market for it. We're still operating. And so in that time, talk to us a little bit about how we find those people. We'll put it in the the bucket of, of marketing, but what's been what's been successful and what's not been so successful for you to get some people back into the business? Yeah, sure. I mean, like quite a few people in my industry, I'm sure the listeners will, will sort of nod with this. We, 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 me and my wife both did a pivot. We both started coaching online. Um, mm. and, and that brought us a degree of success um, to a certain point where people actually wanted to be separate. They didn't want to mix. Um, but, but now we're slowly encouraging attitudes to change. I think that's the, the that's the thing is people realize that they need fitness. They need to do this for the long term. And it's trying to put out the positive messages that um, all along that this is an environment not to be scared of, that, that, you know, there is very, very low, if minimal, if no health risk. Um, and by coming in to see us, you know, you're actually being more positive for yourself. Yeah. And it's it's worth worth doing it. How did we put that message out, Ian? Is this print? Is this social media? Is, oh, is this yeah, just getting out into the the community and, and pounding the pavement? What's been the the actual medium for this? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've uh, social media really is is the highest point um, in this day and age. You know, we've got I've got somebody that's very good um, at the minute. She's created me a TikTok page. Um, you know, um, it's typically not in our wheelhouse yeah. no yeah well uh, even me I'm 51 so it's like I'm learning all this stuff it's great but okay. that Instagram Facebook um, those those have been the main target areas but around here as a local community it's it's been involved in local charities so you, you know I'm involved with my son's rugby club quite a bit um, there's a local women's aid group that we're involved with so it's, it's, it's making sure that you, you kind of meet in these people on a regular basis, or at least if not by messaging and emailing, you're just keeping in touch so that your name's at the top of the list all the time. Yeah, we got to be where the eyeballs are, right? The eyeballs are on social media and the eyeballs are in these, these various events and charities. On the social media side of things, for clarification, Ian, is this, we're, we're putting out pictures and videos and, and content in whatever form or have we put money into actually advertising on these platforms no I've, I've, I've just gone for content rather than actual advertisement um because i think people people in general suss how that all works um and i think yes it can bring you a return for advertisement but i think people are more interested in in the genuine sort of side of things and 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 I need to be able to separate myself from my competition. They need to see what I'm offering that they're not to make that decision. Yeah. And I think, you know, the social media videos allow you to show yourself off in that way. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's worth clarifying at least that typically it's not one or the other, right? If we're advertising, we should have all of those things as well. The organic photos, videos, so that people can see what we're about and then potentially just boosting the reach or, or expanding how many people that gets in front of with some dollars. Do you think, actually, let me ask the question this way. Have we ever put money into this or do you think that there's value in it in the future? 
Yeah, yeah, we have we have previously where we went, okay. we kind of went a little bit the opposite direction um, in that we used those ad ad advertisements first to, to, to kick things off. And we did very, very little content creation. Um, whereas I, I, I'm wanting to go grow things organically through that content creation first and then advertisements probably probably maybe in a year or so for us really where, where we are in terms of the business and, and, and getting back to, to where we want to hit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, but I don't think I'm going out on too shaky of a limb here. If we're not bringing in money in a lockdown or whatever it is, it's hard to assign dollars to something like this to, to get people in, especially if we're not able to even have them come into the facility. So completely understood why we pulled back on that. But take us to the next step here, Ian. I want to want to move this along. When we get a lead, wherever it came from, social media, we met somebody at an event, word of mouth type referral, whatever it is. How does that that person go about actually signing up? Who do they talk with? What's that conversation about? What do they sign up for at the end? We basically, I've got I've got two interns that work for me. So I've got two young people that are on a, a personal training internship. Um, and part of their roles is uh, forming initial consultations around, around goals, um, the induction process, program, and the review, and also um, exit interviews. So when a member leaves, we give them a, a courtesy phone call just to basically see if we can draw them back, or if not, understand the reason why they actually left us. So that if there is anything we can do within our, our means to change that, we will. Now, these are done by, by interns. So what's your perspective on how efficient these are? Do you feel like, of course, it's good for them to learn, the intern. Do you feel like we miss out on anything because of the inexperience of that person? Or, or walk me through the logic of, of having them do it. Well, it's, it's basically giving young people responsibility to take that on board. And that's that's the premise from the start was all about that. Um, I you know they work alongside me. One of them's downstairs now working. You know, um, so very much I'm monitoring all the time what they're doing. I regularly I, I regularly audit their programs. You know, I cold call customers sometimes after they've done inductions or speak to them on the gym floor and ask them for personal feedback. Um, uh, okay, so you're very involved in this. It's not just hands off. Good luck. No, 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 no. no 100%, Understood. 100%, because I, I, I want them to, you know, the way in which I do things, I want them to replicate that. And yep. the only way they're going to do that is if, if we're akin to each other and actually are, are following the same, the same. That makes far more sense to me now. Okay. Yeah. Now, beyond that, hypothetically, someone signs up, we've got a member. What do you focus on? to make sure that person stays a member for as long as possible? It, it's, it, it's those three initial steps. So it's that contact, because no matter what support somebody needs, if they're meeting a regular supportive face um, and the person is understanding what their requirements are and assisting them in doing that, then I think you're definitely onto a winner. Um, you know, external of that, that the rest of the building maintenance and, and, and equipment checks and all those things contribute because if someone's coming in, they're paying their membership, the kit's working, you know, everything's clean, everything's tidy, everybody's greeting them, then pretty much you're, you're covering all the bases. 
any anything left is going to be down to their own personal interpretation. And to be fair, it gets to the point where you can't you can't stop that happening. Right. Now this model is is always fascinating to me because the idea is typically at least compared to the the micro gym coaching nature. Oh, the sorry, idea. It's okay. Bear, sorry. Bear, sure. one, bear, one second. Someone's just trying to come in. Sorry. I'm just doing the recording here, so I think it's about 15, 20 minutes. Thanks. Sorry, Joe. Right. Not a problem at all. I'll just explain that because it seems really weird to people listening. Go um, ahead, please. The, the, room, the room I'm actually in is, is a sports massage room. So the lady that was just coming in to collect items is a sports massage therapist. <laughs> so I, apolo I apologize for messing up that one. Not a problem at all. Okay. And so where I was going was the idea of services like that sports massage personal training different things that people can layer on and businesses like yours can make just as much revenue from those things as they can from general membership yeah and so the, the question is is how much of a focus are those things for you how and how do we go about steering people towards those types of services yeah, um, I, th I think the easiest way, in terms of personal training, um, that's that's something that I govern myself. I mean, I I do about 25 hours a week with clients, um, but I also, future, these guys will be doing similar amounts of hours, hopefully, um, as personal trainers, and there'll be an, uh, an interest for them to pay me rent for their time on the gym floor. So that's the business model that we're working for in, in that area. We also, you know, you can see by the, I've got the hoodie on, we sell merchandise, t-shirts. So it's, it's very much, again, speaking to that person on that individual basis and letting them know about all these other areas that are potentially open to them. Um, and just making sure with that regular contact, they feel open to take those services up. Yeah, I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense and it's cool to see the way that you approach that in giving these interns a, a test taste of different aspects of the business to help them learn and help them grow. I would imagine right now it's a pretty hefty time investment, but the longer term goal that you can step back from a little bit of this so that they can help take over. Is that correct? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's the whole premise is that by, you know, June, July time, uh, I mean, at the minute I'm doing, you know, I'm working six out of seven days. Um, by the summer, I hope to be back to about scaling back to about four days a week. Yeah. And then okay. th those guys will be taking the remainder. Big picture this thing, Ian. We, we've made it back to pre-COVID revenue. How much further can we take this? What's the longer term vision in your mind? Yeah. I mean, for me, it has always been about finding a bigger and better premises um, growing, growing the business to a point where it literally stands on its feet, um, and then I become I become the part time owner that comes in, trains the clients that I want to train, um, and allow my staff to do what they need to do to keep the place running. Yeah. Hypothetically, entertain this thought with me for a moment. Mm. We get to that point. The gym is self sufficient you're able to come in just when you feel like it and not because you need to be what's next for you at that point. Do we think about multiple locations? Are we going to just enjoy having a, a functional business? What's, what's next on your mind? 
Uh, really, for me, it is just keeping the functional business. But, um, I'm, I'm very much like to focus on making some, some one thing brilliant rather than loads of things average. Um, that I know that will enrich my life in terms of I've I spent a lot of family time or sacrificed a lot of family time for my business, and my wife is very supportive, allowing me to do that. Yeah. But I know that that that's time borrowed that I need to pay back. Unfortunately, that's that's not uncommon in our space, right? Yeah. Building a business like this does require grit and in time. And I think even more unfortunately is that a lot of gym owners never get out of that. They're stuck in the 80 hours a week cycle, six, seven days a week, like you said. Yeah. But I think that even just having it explicitly said in the focus that I want to step back by this date, it holds you accountable, right? Yes. The evolution of the entrepreneur so that you can step back and, and be with the family like you talk about. It's it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. So we hope for the best for you. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm very dogged in my nature. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't give up easily. Um, but I've, my wife will make sure that I keep to that promise. <laughs> We've got accountability from multiple layers. Completely Absolutely. understood. Ian, that is a great place for us to begin to wrap our conversation up. But in the short bit of time we have, why don't you tell our listeners where they could find more out about Oxygen? Is there a website or, or what is the social media? How can people find you guys? Yeah, so basically we have um, we, we have our uh, Instagram page that you can you can follow. So Oxygen Strength and Fitness. Um, if you want to go on uh, our website, it's www.oxygenstrengthandfitness.com. Um, and then Facebook, just look up Oxygen Strength and Fitness there. Um, if you want to check me out um, through contacts, Ian Humphreys. Um, what I haven't said is I'm a competitive powerlifter, um, eight times UK British champion. Wow. Um, I'm all-time British European world uh, uh, record holder. So I've got quite there's quite a few different angles to me than yeah. just gym. Yeah, there's many layers to this onion. Ian, this has been fun, man. I, I always enjoy getting a look under the hood in, in businesses like this to see what's actually going on and, and what the owners are thinking about to grow businesses like this. I can't thank you enough for coming on. I, I'm excited to see how these next few months are, are going to shape up for you. And in that time, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for your time. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.